Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It is time for Beauties and the Beast. You can figure out that how that works, right? Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, former seatmate to uh, the Prime Minister, Mr. Trudeau. How are you, Michelle? I'm fine, Roy. How are you? If my line is always, if I were any better, I'd be you. <laughs> Linda Leatherdale, former money editor of the Toronto Sun, vice president of Cambria, Canada. How are you, Linda? Happy Easter, the time of year that rabbits lay eggs. <laughs> and Catherine Swift. Let me see now. Catherine's job. Oh, yeah. President of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. It's a very worthwhile organization that looks at, me. well, really, small and medium-sized businesses particularly, eh, Catherine? Very much so, and predominantly manufacturers, but not exclusively. Okay. You know, and the businesses that we would like to have stay in Canada and offer those really good jobs. <laughs> exactly. How are you, Catherine? Great, thanks. I've got my grandkids here in the other room, so I can't let them hear that I'm going to be hiding eggs tomorrow morning. They're on their best behavior because we've been threatening them with the Easter money, <laughs> the wrath of the Easter money. That's, that's just cruel. It's cruel. Nah. Just, just expedient. The Easter Works bunny like will get charm. you. The Easter bunny will get you. Yep. Let's talk about let's talk about some issues here, and let's start with the aforementioned Conservative Party of Canada leadership. Mr. Polyev is uh, gaining a lot of traction. He's got uh, large crowds uh, attending his meetings. Uh, Mr. Charest, not so much. I don't know how much traction he has in the party. I don't think it's as much as Mr. Polyev, and his crowds certainly are smaller. But he's there, and uh, Leslin Lewis is there as well. And uh, I would say at this particular juncture, and I would not ignore the or discount the possibility that Ms. Lewis, uh, Dr. Lewis, will be heard from in a very major way in this campaign as it moves forward. Let me ask the former politician, the former member of parliament, Michelle Simpson, when you hear about leadership campaigns, what's the immediate response? Is it just tears, or well, what's the response, Michelle? Uh, a shudder. Uh, in my experience, uh, throughout the years, leadership uh, campaigns are extremely divisive. And members of the same party take sides, and it, becomes, it, it really does become rather ugly. And I've learned that that doesn't dissipate once the uh, leadership is decided, they, it, it seems they carry grudges long, long, long into the future. Catherine, so we saw we, we saw that Catherine with Maxime Bernier and Andrew Scheer. 
Oh, and previously, yeah. before that. We, we've seen it with every party, frankly. Yeah. And and Michelle's absolutely right. It, it lingers. Because some really rotten things typically get said. I remember when Trudeau won the leadership back in the day. And boy, some of the things that his, his opponent or his fellow leadership candidates said about him were pretty deadly. So, it, yeah, it, it's not it's not a, a, a you know, a, a factor of any particular political party. It happens right across the spectrum. And uh, it's we're seeing it in real time unfold right now. <laughs> Linda, do you have a sense that there's too much attention paid to leadership races within political parties? Is there too much media attention and too much expected national populist attention? Well, it seems to me that this great divide that's going on in the world is certainly happening with the Conservative Party. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of media attention. Um, I can tell you that on May 1st, they're all, all the candidates are going to be in Burlington, Roy, at the Burlington Convention Center. It's already sold out. So people really want to you know, listen to all of the debates. But the whole thing, and, you know, Michelle makes a point, the grudges and whatever, but it reminded me of a joke that I just saw or a cartoon in the Globe and Mail, and this journalist was getting outfitted with a bulletproof vest. And the person selling it said, so I guess you're going off to the Ukraine war to cover it. And she goes, no, I'm covering the Conservative Party federal candidate race. (laughs) And, you know, it does get bloody, and it's too bad because this time in the world... Um, and I know, you know, Pierre's got one thing, Jean Charest seem to be the forerunners and they are in a great divide. But I keep on saying we got a united, we need to stand um, in the world right now. And it's a tough one. And we're seeing polarization, not just in Canada and not with political parties, but with people around the world. You know, when I watch the uh, leadership campaigns and I listen to them, and I do listen to them because I'm a political junkie. Uh, I I always worry about who eventually is going to win, worry about it, because they are so nasty, so pointed toward one another. Their only focus is to win that leadership race. And I say to myself, and I think the point was just made, how well are they going to work together when eventually the leader is chosen? Then everything's supposed to be familial harmony. We all move over, forward, and we take out the bad guys, the bad guys or the other guys in Parliament. That's not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about pragmatically leading the country. That aside, um, Catherine, you're the Conservative Party member. What I am. What strikes you about this particular chase race? Well, for starters, I think there's too many people in it. Uh, I, I think it gets very diluted. Uh, when you have too many people running. And, and again, it's it's always a toss up uh, between having as open a, a democratic process as possible. Therefore, anybody, can, you know, typically anyone who qualifies can join. And between the party sort of the, the political party bringing down the heavy hand and saying, no, we're only going to approve you know, a limited number of candidates. So I think that's that's part of it there. But in, in terms of the current conservative race, I think it's very much because Sheree and, and, and Kraliev are the two, you know, presumably leading candidates for the moment. It's very much the old guard versus a relatively new guard, too. Mm-hmm. So so that's um, that's, you know, that's an important issue. And and as, as Linda said, though, politics is politics has always been divisive to a point. But it seems now 
it's way more divisive than ever. And it's destructively divisive. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about any particular party. I'm talking about all of them. Everyone seems to want to pit one group of Canadians against another. And I just find that toxic. It's, it's called the, strategizing. It's the U.S. Right. is the same. And, and I just find that really toxic. I, I personally would love to see some some candidate rise above all of this. And when their opposition takes pot shots at them, just shut up. You know, take the high road. It's the old story. Take the high road here and, and just talk about what you plan to do and what you plan to do as a servant. And, and, and that we're getting into the Ukrainian. You know, let's not forget that our, our Zelensky, the, you know, uh, the Ukrainian leader, uh, he calls his party the Servant of the People Party, which is the same name his television show had. I would love to see a politician actually be a servant of the people that vote them in, as opposed to yeah, well, have some uh, yeah. often wacky ideological agenda that they are foisting upon okay. Canadians or uh, you know people in other countries okay, as well. well good, good uh, luck rather, with good, good luck with that. Easy. And you got through that whole thing without saying anything about Easter eggs. So that's. <laughs> Well, I can't. Really I told you, the grandkids are in the other room. Yeah, I know. I know. Where's the dog? The dog's probably eating them. The dogs are there, too, but they're, they're occupied, so they should be quiet. We've heard the dogs. Yes, yes. Who left we've, heard Linda's, we've heard Linda's kennel. Oh, three of them, and right now there's Let, let Sleeping Dogs Lie. <laughs> you don't have any dogs there, do you, Michelle? No, I don't. I've always okay. had dogs, but I don't know. So I was looking at a, at a dog this this week, and uh, it was an interesting photograph, and he said it's, he's, he's bigger than he looks in the picture. So I've always had, I've usually had big, big dogs. Right? So a man looked at this dog. He didn't need a leash. He needed a saddle. This, <laughs> this, this, dog, this dog, I had a 140-pound Rottweiler. He, this dog <laughs> made the Rottweiler look like a, Little dog. Like, so, anyway, let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> Stories you don't need to hear come out of my mouth. Uh, Michelle, so we have the, uh, we have the federal government subsidizing the installation of charging stations. We have the federal government subsidizing the purchase of EV, EVs to the tune of $5,000, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 vehicles that are not going to be affordable for everybody anyway. We have them subsidizing the manufacturing of EVs. What do you make of uh, of the EV issue? Where do you stand on this? Uh, actually, I'm dead set against subsidizing any of it. Not just the consumer, but the manufacturer. I think it, that what the market dictates is what the market dictates. And uh, to, to uh, try to do otherwise, I frankly don't know where we're getting all this money for subsidies and all these programs. I, I just I don't get it. Well, you were in government. It's our grandchildren, surely Michelle. You know. Our grandchildren. Surely, surely you know you were in government. You know where the money comes from? It comes from the ether. Well, now I'm beginning. Honestly, they must have fired yeah, up the printing press in the basement of Parliament and print money. I mean, yes. the, the spending is so out of control right now. It's incredible. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I'm going to be speaking with the owner and operator of two professional daycare centers tomorrow. She got in touch with me after last weekend 
uh, Linda. We did, we did a show on uh, on daycare, the $10 daycare that's going to cost massive numbers of billions of dollars. And she challenges the federal government and, and the provinces on this program because she says they're really just interfering with families. So this is a daycare operator, and she, she has a better idea, so she's going to be joining us. What do you make of the EV um, argument, uh, Linda? Where, where do you stand on that? Oh, well, listen, come on. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world worth $265 billion. Does he need to have a subsidy? I'm with Michelle all the way. We should not be subsidizing any of this. Let market forces reign. And if there's a demand, there will be. But, you know, we're subsidizing these EVs. How many millions and millions and millions? And our government debt is like at record, record highs. It's incredible, Roy. So I'm totally against it. So you mentioned Elon Musk, $54.20 is what he offered per share to purchase Twitter. We're going to talk about that tomorrow as well. Catherine, I heard you say the money comes from our grandchildren. And our great-grandchildren, and beyond that probably as well. What What is perverse about the subsidies for EVs, and this has been proven by research, is that average lower-income and middle-income taxpayers are subsidi- subsidizing higher-income taxpayers who can afford to buy EVs. What a, what a ridiculously perverse impact this has. So I couldn't agree more. I mean, maybe down the road a piece, EVs will be sensible. What bothers me about all this environmental stuff is the people that promote it, and whether it's politicians or whether it's people that are making money hand over fist, uh, it, by selling them or, or whatever, is that they never talk about the downside. But if you read articles about how it is impossible to recycle a battery from an EV, and the <laughs> EV might be okay to operate for the first few years, but once that battery goes, you're in for a massive investment to replace it. It doesn't work well in a cold country, and guess what? We live in one of those. And, and we're mining all of these rare minerals that go into the manufacture of EVs by often in in third world countries where where 10 year olds are doing the the mining anyway on and on and on we never hear the downside of these climate policies and we need to see all sides of the equation because i know some experts that know a heck of a lot more than me about the mechanics of the internal combustion engine versus evs and they say the internal combustion engine is actually more environmentally sensible. So, you know, we need to see the facts on all sides of these issues. And our tax dollars should surely not be going to subsidize well-off people to buy EVs. I like what income taxpayers. I like what I like what Michelle said. You know, let the market drive it. Uh, exactly. Let's you know let the market decide what it wants. And we've uh, on this program recently talked about the fact that we still have in Canada. We are, uh, should be, an energy exporting nation. And that means natural gas and oil because the world is still using both of them. We produce it far more ethically, far far more soundly than many of the other uh, actors we actually buy the stuff from. So that's another question that should be raised, but it isn't because this government is just focused on uh, on selling EVs. Even when, uh, you know, looking at what's going on in, in Ukraine, they talk about electric vehicles and we're out of time. And they're dishonest about it. That's what bugs me. They're dishonest about it. That's right. Linda, final word? That's on fire. (laughs) That's on fire. They're dishonest. Liar, liar? No. Anyway. (laughs) If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.